Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, yeah, you've done the podcast before. We'll talk mostly Chili Bowl and New Zealand, if you're good with that. I love talking dirt racing, so you'll have me smiling all day. I know. It's an easy sell for you. Welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today, here in a remote location, the Starbucks coffee on Bruton Smith Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> and for a good reason, we've got a great guest today. We've got Christopher Bell, two-time defending winner of the Chili Bowl, who is set to defend his title this next week. We're talking on the Thursday before he heads to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Christopher, thanks for being here. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. You just returned from New Zealand, and we were talking about how we followed that. We had some stories on bcsports.com. There was a lot of chatter on social. Tell me about how the trip went. Man, it was, it was a lot of fun. So I was able to go to New Zealand back in the summer, uh, or New Zealand summer of 2013 to 2014. And uh, whenever I went down there the first time, there were four races scheduled, and I think I was down there for a total of 20 days. And I, I said I was never going back just because uh, we didn't get to race very much. One night rained out, and it was a long trip. But this year it was a ton of fun. They've made the schedule a lot better where we had six races planned over the course of I think we were down there for 14 days, so uh, we got there a little bit before Christmas on Christmas Eve and had two days off, and then once we started racing, man, it was go, 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 so uh, if anybody knows me, you know, racing's my deal, so my girlfriend and her family were able to go with us, so uh, the girls kind of went and vacationed, and and me and my future father-in-law went down there and uh, worked on the race cars, so... I got to race, she got to vacation, and it was a win-win. That's cool. Yeah, I don't want to correct you, but when you say girlfriend, oh yeah, fiance. we're talking fiance. That's Her name is Morgan. Morgan. Okay, and she's uh, is she from Oklahoma as well? No, she's okay. actually from Ohio. Oh, okay. So, um, her name's Morgan Kimenaw. Her family grew up sprint car racing. Her uncle's a, a sprint car driver, and her dad is a sprint car crew chief. So. Um, yeah, keeping it in the racing family. So she knew what she signed up for oh, yeah, a few, absolutely. four years ago when she got involved with you. Um, what do you like about New Zealand? What did you do for fun? I saw New Year's Eve, I guess you spent in, is it Auckland? You guys yeah, kind of hung out? Yeah. So we got to, or we, all the, all the Americans stay in the same place down there. I think there's six drivers total. So there's, uh, you know, a, a good group of us and we stay right there in downtown Auckland. And, uh, you know, what I enjoy about going down there is, I just love to race. So this this year, the schedule, and I think it's been like that the last couple of years, but uh, you can pretty much, you start racing on Boxing Day, which is the 26th, and then uh, you race, race a day, off a day, race a day, off a day, all the way through um, January 5th is the last race. So um, we got six races. I got to do double duty, run a sprint car and midget most nights. So I got a lot of racing in over the course of 
two weeks in the middle of winter time. So, and it keeps me sharp, right? So going into Chili Bowl now, I've got six midget races under my belt within the last month. So I think uh, it should be a big advantage. What is it about dirt racing in New Zealand that they're so, and I guess Australia as well, that right. they're so passionate for it down there? Yeah, it's kind of odd to think about, right? <laughs> like you got all you these. You got to go all the way around the world. All these countries in the world, and yeah. you go to the smallest one, <laughs> arguably New Zealand, and, yeah. and to go race midget cars. But uh, I don't know. It's just midget racing has been extremely healthy over there. And, and like you mentioned, Australia, uh, sprint cars are a little bit more dominant in Australia than midget cars are. But uh, New Zealand, man, midgets are, are where it's at. So uh, they've got a really, really great following. And whenever we go over there, we race in front of the biggest crowds that we see all year long for the midget side of things, um, even here in the States. So uh, they get a, a huge fan base. Um, the drivers are or there's a bunch of cars over there. So, yeah, racing is its a lot of fun, and it's a beautiful country. So, um, And you get to go somewhere, somewhere different. I mean, the cars are right-hand drive cars. They drive on the left oh, side yeah. of the road. Okay. So um, it's its a totally different culture, and uh, it's its definitely not America. So it's a really <laughs> unique experience. Do they have much of a paved racing scene, or is it pretty much just dirt? It's always what they've done there, and that's the dominant form. You know, I don't know about the paved racing scene yeah. i know australia has the v8 supercars right right, right. Um, exactly. yep. new zealand i don't know i don't i saw one road course that they had down there um when we were traveling to one of the dirt tracks but uh midget cars are are their you know that's their premier division of motorsports down there so um you know whenever we go down there midget cars are are extremely popular and uh, I say that, and I had a lot of guys come up to me and say that they follow NASCAR too. So uh, th they do keep up with the NASCAR scene, and they said that they get the, the cup races live, and they get highlights of the Xfinity series. So um, as far as paved racing down there, I'm not sure, but they do keep up with NASCAR a little bit. One of your big wins, Christopher, Western Springs yep. Speedway. A lot was made about that on social. You had this incredible last lap pass, which didn't actually occur on the racetrack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you used a pretty significant portion of the grass, and I guess it was under review. Tell us about that win. Was that the maybe the highlight of your trip and maybe one of the more memorable passes you've had in your career? Yeah, it was. that was pretty cool. So unfortunately, it was in the sprint car. So uh, whenever I went down there, it was the International Midget Series. So the midget cars were the premier division, and I got to run sprint cars as well, but the sprint cars were the support division. Um, so probably the most memorable win over the trip was the 50 lapper. That's their big shebang midget race that I was able to win at the last race. But, um, you know, the sprint car race obviously made uh, or got a bunch of attention on the Internet. So that was really cool. And um, racing's a little bit different over there. You know, in the United States, it's uh, a little bit more, you know, play it as it lies and, and whatever happens, happens. Where, and that goes for midget cars, sprint cars, and even the NASCAR deal. Um, you don't really see any relegations or penalties or stuff like that. But uh, in New Zealand, they have referees, and, and it's almost, <laughs> you know, they kind of, I guess, incorporate a little bit more stick and ball stuff. But, uh, huh. yeah, they have a referee that sits up in the scoring tower with the scorers, and, uh, and, you know, he has the final say on everything. They don't have infield tires or an infield berm or anything like that to line the infield. Uh, it's just a little concrete basically a strip they call it a curb but it's not a not a curb or anything it's basically a concrete strip and they call it the pole line and you're not allowed to race inside the pole line well uh yeah i got a run on him down the back straightaway and i uh, got beside him and he kept crowding me crowding me so i just blew it through the grass and passed him and you know obviously whenever i won the race i figured i was going to get relegated and you know the big scoreboard up there said uh, referee decision, decision pending. Right. And, you know, right. everyone's like, oh, he won, but did he win? And, uh, 
yeah, it went. The call went in my way, which I was shocked because I beat the uh, the New Zealand hero down there, Michael Pickens. So yeah, they they gave one to me. So was this sort of like a NASCAR yellow line ruling where yeah, they determined you were forced? Exactly, out okay. exactly. Same deal. They they're uh, yeah. I got forced underneath the yellow line. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's grass on the other side, but it worked out. Okay. Who was it in the Xfinity race? Oh, at Daytona? Uh, Justin Haley. Justin yeah. Haley's probably yeah. thinking like, man, we need to get those officials exactly. over to Daytona for speed weeks. So this is kind of fascinating to me. Do they actually? stop the race at times and say wait a second we got a scoring thing here from our man up in the box he's gonna need you guys to run some caution laps then he's gonna tell you what's going <laughs> they don't do, do it that way right they don't know no, so they won't flags. they won't throw the yellow but okay. in the driver's meeting they they do say that if you i don't know if they say commit a crime or uh if you do something illegal that you will be penalized so uh, like I got warned one of the nights for it was one single file right around the bottom and, and I kept getting over the pole line and kind of you know wiggling people out of the way and he was like hey man you know if there's not a yellow flag and, and you you get too far underneath the pole line then I'm going to penalize you at the end of the race so <laughs> yeah um, yeah so you think I'm done yeah, ex- over. yeah. exactly <laughs> so uh, they they will penalize you like at the yellow flag or whatever or at the end of the race but no they yeah. won't stop the race to penalize you one of the best moves of your career i mean was it just instinct i suppose you don't have something like that planned out like you said you get forced down there you just do it and hope for the best yeah it's uh you know my mom used to always ask me whenever i was racing you know what do you think about whenever you're out there and, and the answer is you don't think you just <laughs> kind of go out there and do what you're whatever naturally happens so uh he was all the way against the wall and you know leaving the leaving turn two on the final lap i was fully prepared to try and drive around him and then uh he was on the bottom leaving turn two and went all the way to the wall so then whenever he went all the way to the wall i turned left and tried to get underneath of him and then he started turning left and brought us both down there Kevin Swindell, it's interesting you brought up, Christopher, the bigger race, the, the 50 lap, and that was a midget race, the, the 50 right. lap or you want, that those kind of are, are more prestigious. I mean, more you, because it kind of touches on something I wanted to bring up. Kevin Swindell, who, of course, you know, goes without saying what, what he's done, four-time Chili Bowl champion, he tweeted while you were down there, at Seabell Racing's win percentage in 50-plus lap midget races the past three years have been like, and people were tweeting him back, got to be at least 80 or 90%. Is there something, well, first of all, it must have been cool to, to have that kind, of, that kind of attention, but... Is there something that makes you better in those longer races? I know when people think of dirt, they're, they're thinking sprint cars, they're thinking 20, 25 lap features or whatever. It seems like the longer races are more your bread and butter. Well, I, I wouldn't have told you that a couple of years ago, but <laughs> uh, it seems like the NASCAR deal might be helping me out a little bit there. You know, since I've started this NASCAR career, I've definitely noticed that I think I've become a better sprint car midget racer just because it, uh, you know, it, it slows everything down and it's, as a sprint car racer and and the mentality of a sprint car racer is go 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 right and the start's the most important thing right so um nascar racing the start's the the least important part of the race just because you have so many laps to think and um think your way through the race so i feel like i've started to become a little bit more of a smarter racer because of the distance racing that we do in nascar so um, maybe that pays off a little bit in the longer midget car races but I, I would prefer to do a 25 or 30 lap race compared to a 50 <laughs> lap race just because that's more opportunity for me to screw up. But um, for whatever reason, it seems like the, the longer races are fitting my, my style, I guess. So it sounds like there might be some techniques like through osmosis or whatever that you're sort of learning maybe in NASCAR that you're applying. Yeah, absolutely. To midgets and sprints. And, yeah. and I've always said, you know, to, to be the best race car driver, you have to be able to do it all so you know to to be a great nascar driver you can't just be a great midget racer you can't just be a great wing sprint car racer you have to 
you know, be able to do midgets, non-wing cars, wing cars, and, and you learn different things from every kind of vehicle that applies to, um, that applies to every other vehicle. So, and it, and it works, you know, going back to, back to the midget deal, me running longer NASCAR races has significantly helped me become a better midget racer. A big part of your success uh, in open wheel and on dirt is the Chili Bowl. As I mentioned at the outset, you're getting ready to head back there as the two-time defending winner. How many starts will this make for you? I've been adding them up. Um, I'm thinking this is going to be my ninth Chili Bowl. Yeah, so I'm 24 years old. I started, my first one was whenever I was 16. So uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Yeah, That'd this will be, be my ninth yeah. Chili Bowl. Starting to blend together, all it, starting to blur a little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can still separate the years. And if you ask me the year, I'd be able to tell you what it was. But uh, it's not going to be long before they all start blending together. Let's go back to, so it would have been 2011? Yep, your first yep, one? 11. What do you remember about the 2011 Chili Bowl and that first visit as a driver? Yeah, so that uh, the 2011 Chili Bowl was my first ever time that I drove a midget and I'd never driven a smart car either so that style of race car where you sit upright you have to be push started no clutches or anything so that was a very unique experience and um, a midget was the biggest car that I'd driven at the time so uh, and obviously the most horsepower too so it was very overwhelming and I remember talking to you know a couple guys and and just trying to get a feel for what I was getting into but for me, the hardest part was sitting upright. You know, like basically, I sit how I'm sitting now with your feet directly underneath you. So in the steering wheel, everything that I've driven, his steering wheel is like this, and you know, you turn like a normal car. Well, midget in a smart car, it's almost like a bus wheel. The steering wheel is more upright, like a pizza in front of you or whatever. So that was the, the hardest thing to get used to. But everything else came fairly naturally once you got uh, used to turning the wheel a different way? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of car, and I think <laughs> I hit the wall a lot. But, um, yeah, it was – I don't think I did too bad. I think I made the prelim night A, so that was cool. I think I heard you say once that the first time you got in a sprint car, maybe it wasn't Chili Bowl, but it felt like driving a jet. Yeah, yeah. so, <laughs> you know, the midget had – or they they have right now I think around 400 horsepower 350 maybe and I had been driving micro sprints which are like 150 so it was a big upgrade but um, you know it's still manageable and then I the first time I drove a smart car was a 410 smart car so I went from a 350 horsepower midget to a 900 horsepower smart car yeah and uh, I don't think there's anything there's to no quite comparable yeah <laughs> nothing can compare yeah. prepare you for that and the yeah. first time you hit the throttle man it's like everything starts blurring and you just get from point A to point B pretty fast. All that obviously is what you're dealing with on the track. What about off the track? I know the Chili Bowl has grown a lot over the last decade but I'm sure it was still quite a spectacle and event when you entered that arena for the first time uh yeah it's it's incredible and i still get just as excited going there for my well this is my ninth year racing probably 20th year going there as a fan so uh, i still get excited or just as excited right now as i was 20 years ago whenever i first went i guess the biggest change i've seen in the nascar or on the nascar side of things but at the chili bowl is the uh the nascar attendance and the mm -hmm. nascar commitment to the sport or or just being a part of it, right? Uh, I have a lot of media obligations going into next week that even last year or two years ago, I, I didn't really have anything. I was going for fun. So now I have a couple, you know, autograph sessions and interviews and stuff like that where, uh, you know, I, I actually kind of have a PR person going <laughs> in next week, which is a little bit different for Dirt Race. Well, I think that speaks to the attention you and Rico Abreu and Kyle Larson running that event and others, I know, 
Stenhouse, I think, right, was there last right. year, and uh, Alex Bowman, I think, is the other show. I mean, obviously, you guys are helping raise that profile. Yeah, and it's cool because, you know, it, it's just helping get the Chili Bowl more to a national level. Do you get overwhelmed at all, Christopher, by the scene? Or once you're there and just strapping in the car, you're not thinking about, like, whatever it is, 300 entrants and thousands of fans every night and just focused? Yeah, I think for me, um, I'm still such a fan of it, right? So you only have one prelim night, but every other prelim night I'll be there watching and, and enjoying every minute of it because it's such good racing. So I just I love to, to go there and be a fan, and luckily I get to be a participant too. So it's very hard to not get nervous on your prelim night or even on Saturday too, but uh, so whenever it comes time to race, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be super nervous just because <laughs> it, it is a big deal. Like you said, there's 300-plus cars trying to win the race and thousands and thousands of people. The, the building's packed with people, so uh, it is pretty overwhelming. And you're going to run, obviously, a full Xfinity Series uh, season this year, but is this the toughest event you'll probably try to win this year? Um, I think now that I've won it, uh, every time you win it, it gets a, a little bit easier just because you, you know, you're you've been in that situation. You've been, you understand what the pressure's like. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's extremely tough, and and you know, everything has to go your way. You know, at, at a NASCAR race, you're competing against 40 guys, whereas at this deal, you're, you know, there's 350 guys all going for the same trophy. So that's a unique characteristic about the Chili Bowl, and it, it, it it's obviously tough to beat all those guys. So you're obviously defending two-time winner, and three of the past four winners have been repeat winners, including, I think, Swindell won four in a row in his stretch. So even though, and Rico, as I mentioned, he won two in a row, even though it's a really difficult event to win, <laughs> it seems like it lends itself to the same guys winning in consecutive years. Any reason for that? Or That's that's a great question, and, and I've kind of noticed that too where – um, it seems like we've got to the point to where it's the same guys up front every single year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if that's more, you know, more of a, an equipment standpoint where the, you know, the, the cars have elevated because there's no rules, right? There's no rules at Chili Bowl. So um, Keith Coons Motorsports and uh, obviously the Swindells. The Swindells, I feel like, had a really big equipment advantage a while ago where they just had their race cars figured out and um, you know, Kevin and Sammy ran one, two for a while. And um, now there's now like Keith Coons is, has stepped up and, and I feel like, you know, obviously his cars are top of the line right now. So I don't know if it's more of an equipment standpoint that mm -hmm. elevates the equipment. And then, you know, we're in the same cars every year. So that helps. But uh, yeah, it, it is odd that, you know, there's there's not very many guys that have won the event and then whenever you do win it you're able to win it back to back or, yeah. or so forth so when you say no rules that just means is it kind of run what you brung people it's wide open people can build what they want yeah exactly huh. so <laughs> that's that's one thing that i love about the chili bowl is you know if you think you have a better idea or how to know how to make the car go around there better you can do it um we've seen over the years you know i think i don't know if jj yaley drove it but Corey cruzman drove this bondio car from california for a while they ran a a dirt bike tire on the left front and their reasoning was that they could run that tire over the berm and the tire was so narrow that it would stick a lot better uh, and, and you know hopefully give you a little bit more side bite down there and then they even tried to ski they ran a ski on the left front tire for a while so um, it's really cool to see what everyone comes up with it seems like we're kind of in a stage here where the cars 
I'm not going to say maxed out, but stalled out. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, everyone's bringing the same stuff over and over again. But at some point, we'll see somebody try something else, and, and they might get on a hot streak. So is there a mix between people will mimic what the front runners are doing, but maybe some other people might say, well, we can't just do what they're doing. we got to yeah. do something different. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think that's that was a big thing that Sammy and Kevin got on a while ago at the Chili Bowl is there's no weight rule. So whenever you go a normal midget race outdoors, there is a weight rule. So everyone kind of builds their cars, and um, they were taking their outdoor cars to Chili Bowl, where Sammy and Kevin were probably several pounds lighter, and, uh, and you know, they were really good. So now it seems like everybody started to bring these indoor cars, which are a lot lighter, and, uh, yeah, it seems like everybody's caught up with the Swindells a little bit. Who do you think your toughest competition is going to be this year? I guess Larson, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Larson, me and him are in the same race cars, and, um, you know, he's the most talented guy that uh, – probably all, any of us have ever seen. So uh, I would say he's number one on that list. Who would be, Christopher, if, if you could come up with like a dream, a main, anybody across the whole history of sprint car racing, midget racing that you could run against in, that, in this race? Um, Kevin. Kevin Swindell would be yeah. one. I got to race against him a lot back in the day, but uh, yeah, you know, I wish he could still be out there with us. And, yeah. and obviously with him winning at four in a row, he... Uh, yeah, I wish I could race against him. He set the bar there for a little while. Yeah, yeah. so probably Kyle, Kevin Swindell, Clawson. Clawson was a, a, a great. And, it, you know, if I could race against Steve back in Steve Kinzer back in his heyday, that would be pretty cool. Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, those guys. So, so that relationship with Kyle Larson, how much did this race last year kind of factor into the way you guys interact? And it just seems as if you, you guys – are on you know similar paths and but also have this great kind of kinship and respect for each other's racing you know i know that tweet you had last year after you won the chili bowl it came out i think right after kyle larson kind of tweeted something about how much he enjoyed racing in that finale unfortunately he had a mechanical so you won the chili bowl without having like the last lap battle with him you tweet a photo of you and larson racing together and you know you said a, a pitcher says it all i'm racing with the best all-around race in the world right now at the best race in the world did the 2018 chili bowl do a lot for you and kyle in terms of you guys don't really have a rivalry but in terms of like promoting what you're about and how you're from similar ilk yeah uh you know me and kyle were talking about this the other day and it's it's kind of weird like it, it seems like if me and Kyle are in the same race together we seem to elevate each other uh and man we're we're going over results and we run one two to each other a lot and and I, I don't know how many Xfinity races he ran this year but I was looking at uh, my first and second place finishes well, actually second because I never beat Kyle but <laughs> I think it was Daytona yeah we ran one two that was my best ever speedway race and I finished second to Kyle Vegas, I ran second to Kyle. Bristol, I ran second to Kyle. Uh, Chicago, I I was gonna run second to Kyle before I sped on pit road, but um, just the few Xfinity races that he ran this year, it seemed like we ran one two together a lot. And then uh, obviously the dirt races were were neck and neck for for a lot of them too. Yeah, it just happened again. Turkey night a couple months ago, you win and he finished second. You yeah. won a, some contact on a last lap pass, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that Turkey night, we ran one two and. And then even we go overseas, and, and Kyle won two races, and I ran second to him twice. And then uh, I won the last race, and, and Kyle was going to run second to me before he before he crashed. So um, I don't know what it is, but it seems like we run one-two a lot. <laughs> Did you guys get to hang out a little bit when you were over in New Zealand? And no, unfortunately we didn't. His, uh, you know, We drove for different car owners, so I was, I was busy with, with my group of people, and he was with his group of people. But um, we went to dinner. 
I don't know if it was on New Year's Eve or not, but all the Americans got together and we went out to eat one of the nights and, and it was, you know, so we got together a little bit, but we didn't get to hang out very much. So how do you guys balance it, Christopher, that you guys, you have, again, it's like, it's a rivalry, but it doesn't have animosity you might see in other rivalries. It, it doesn't mean it's not fierce on track because you guys obviously give no quarter, you're racing hard, but yet somehow you manage, even though contact and turkey night or, you know, whatever, like you guys still put all that aside and have this respect for each other. Yeah, and and Kyle was he he came up before me, and and I think he kind of set the bar. Uh, Kyle has been my my number one, um, basically my number one supporter, and it, it all started at Little Rock, Arkansas, at the Short Track Nationals back in I think it was 2012. Um, that was kind of my, I guess, national moment where you know I, I went to a national caliber event and ran second to it. So or second in it. So, uh, you know, that was my first time that I got on the national scene. And, and Kyle was on Twitter saying that, you know, this kid's the next big thing. So um, basically since day one, Kyle has been, you know, trying to pr promote me and, 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 you know, telling people that I'm good and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of set the bar to uh, of how we are respecting each other, I guess would be a good way to put it. And, and yeah, obviously I have the utmost respect for him and, um, I feel like he respects me too. At the Xfinity Awards ceremony last night or last month, Christopher, you said about Kyle, he's great, and I feel like I'm good. So, <laughs> do you feel like you're? Are you inching up a little bit on that scale after this off season? Do you feel like? Uh, wh what's it going to take, I guess, for you to feel like you're in the Kyle Larson class? Uh, I'll, I'll never be there. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll never be there. Just okay. from watching the, watching what I've watched out of him, and and you know seeing him you know, over the years, just get in anything and, and win. And, you know, he's just, he's, he's the most talented guy that I've ever seen race. And, and, you know, I don't think I'll ever see anyone as talented as him. You know, a lot of your path here into NASCAR has come as a result because of Kyle and, and the things he's been saying. And obviously the, the Toyota driver development program, a lot of that was accelerated yeah. because of Kyle, because they lost yeah, him. Right. So is Toyota, when, when you look at what they're doing, I mean, obviously they've got you and they've got a lot of their other drivers in that pipeline. Is that because they're ahead of everybody else or are they just doing a better job promoting and being proactive? How would you characterize what's happening there with you and Toyota and all those young drivers? You know, I, I feel like we're talking a lot about Kyle here, but it's the, it's because of Kyle because <laughs> yeah. the fact that they lost him they yeah. uh, you know it was they saw the same thing that I see and you see and, and everyone else sees that you know he's the most raw talented guy they had him and then they they lost him and they want to make sure that that doesn't happen again so um, I feel like if if Chevy or Ford had a Kyle Larson caliber talent all of a sudden sh jump ship and go to Toyota then they would be more on the ball too of understanding how you know how rare it is to get a driver the caliber of, of someone like that so um yeah i mean kyle leaving was a, a big kick in the butt to toyota and, and they said hey we're not going to let it happen again of course kyle runs a lot of dirt races and i remember when i talked to you last year you said that you hope to be able to run as much but kyle has some advantage in terms of ends with teams and everything like that that maybe you don't get to run as many as you'd like are you getting more phone calls from dirt teams are there more opportunities for you in 2019 or uh I mean, on the midget side of things, I'm pretty much set, and and that's awesome. But the I don't, I still don't have that sprint car piece lined up yet. Um, me and Kevin Swindell are trying to work a deal to you know run a little bit more sprint car races, and and that would help me out a lot if we could get that finalized. And um, so that that is up in the air a little bit. But uh, as far as the midget deal, yeah, I'm in great shape, and and I have been 
for, for a while now, but it's just the sprint car piece that makes it extremely tough. And that's like Outlaws races Right, right, like that. going to run with the World of Outlaws and stuff like that. How many cars are in your house beyond the – you have the 2017 Chili Bowl winner? Yeah. You have the 2018 one as well? Or? No, so I'm actually racing the 2018 one oh, you are? Okay. this year. So <laughs> okay. Can't um, give that one up yet. Okay. Right, yeah, so the 2017 Chili Bowl winner is in my house, but that's the only race car I own. Until you retire last year, so you're not going to put that one in your Yeah, and I, I'm not going to get this – I'm not going to get the 2018 one. Oh, I don't really? think okay. Keith would let me, yeah. <laughs> Someone told me, speaking of your Outlaws experience, you wanted Eldora uh, last act October, and someone told me they didn't have the winner's check they normally present. Are you, right. are you a fan of those big winner's yeah, checks so that they give you? So okay. the, the cardboard checks, man, that's that's my jam right there. <laughs> so we don't get those in that. Actually, you do get them at the Dash for Cash races. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I want one of those really bad because a hundred grand cardboard check, that'd be by far the biggest cardboard check I have. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, cardboard checks, that's that's my favorite trophy. And you won at Eldora and they didn't have one apparently. They had a big scramble because they had some rescheduled events. And so I understand they present it to you later. Yeah, so like they didn't home. have it. And I was really, really bummed. And uh, I was driving for Tony. I was driving for Tony Stewart, who owns Eldora, right? Yeah. Um, but obviously, I didn't say anything to him. But <laughs> uh, yeah, Roger Slack actually texted me and, and told me that they found it. It was in like a their storage unit or whatever because you, you they had that big late model race that was rescheduled so yeah so i did end up getting the cardboard check a couple months later okay. but yeah those cardboard checks man that's my favorite trophy why is that your jam uh <laughs> i don't know just something about it like the dollar sign on it and um <laughs> i love going up to my room and counting like you know adding up all the dollar signs to see how much money <laughs> it's the are on the cardboard checks so that's cool so advice to nascar maybe yes cardboard checks cardboard that's checks. the ticket right there uh, okay another and, and the dash for cash ones man those are awesome hopefully i'll be able to get one <laughs> Well, another uh, piece of advice might be have some more dirt races. And it seems like there's been some more conversation in NASCAR about maybe changing the schedule 2020 and beyond. Do you see any movement there? Are you lobbying at all for expanding your cup at Eldora or Knoxville or some of these other places? you see any progress there? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit torn about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Larson's he's voiced his opinion pretty clearly that he does not want to see any more dirt yeah, races. right. You know, I'm, I'm 50-50 and, you know, selfishly, I would like to see it because I think I would excel at those races. Uh, but the Eldora truck race is, you know, in my opinion, become the premier truck event of the year. So uh, if you go add even an Xfinity race on dirt, it significantly takes that Eldora truck ra race away. And um, so I, I think that's really cool, man. I mean, on a Wednesday night in July, in the past, every you know this Wednesday night in July, everybody's tuned in to this spectacle, right? Because it's yeah. the one time NASCAR races on dirt, and, yeah. and um, if you add any other dirt race to the schedule, it will you know decrease that tremendously. I can appreciate that argument to some degree because like there is a uniqueness to it, but I think it's it's not just good because it's unique; it's good because it's it's high quality, I right? Mean, and right, that's where I think like the dilution argument gets hurt a little bit. I think it wouldn't hurt to try it once or twice. Hey, man, well, I'd be all for it, trust <laughs> me. <laughs> Let's wrap up talking a little bit more NASCAR. What's the Xfinity Series outlook for 2019? You're back for a full season, second year, came close to winning a championship last year, really had a championship caliber year. Right. How does it feel going into this year? Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I got the same team as last year, same crew chief, and, you know, that was a little bit scary going into the off season because here I am, I just got done having a, a great year with Jason Ratcliffe, who is a cup caliber crew chief, and you got all these changes going on, sure. and I know that Jason's getting offers to go back cup racing, probably with, you know, A-caliber teams. So, uh, you know, I was praying that he was going to stay with me, and he did. So 
uh, yeah, we got the same group of people, same team lined up for next year. And I think going into next year, our outlook's the same as what it was going into 2018 to try and win races, make the championship four. And the only thing different going into 19 than 18 is we know or we we know now that we struggled at Homestead in 18 so we need to work on that try and become a little bit better at Homestead next year did you have any influence on making sure Jason Ratcliffe stayed with your expanded team or I mean I was sitting there on my <laughs> my knees begging him but uh <laughs> yeah he he's a great guy and and luckily you know luckily he did stay with me probably speaks well of you right I mean I don't know what conversations you have had with him but I would think he looks at this and knows if and when you ever go to Cup, typically a lot of times crew chiefs move up into Cup, and he right. has that experience with Kenseth. I mean, is, would that be a possibility down the road? Maybe. I'm I'm praying, right? Yeah. Obviously, there has to be the right hole for me to go to Cup, and that's tough with sponsorship and 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 just holes in general, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, if 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 I do go to Cup, I I would love to take Jason with me, and um, you know, he's he's one of the best crew chiefs in NASCAR period, Cup, Xfinity, whatever. Any plans for any, any cup races this year? Do you know if they'll let you try? Um, I need to ask you that. Have you heard anything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as connected as I should be because I have not. I'll yeah. dig around and so get back to they, you. They haven't talked to me <laughs> at all about it. But, okay. Uh, you know, I, if I were to get a cup start, I, I don't really see how it could happen because there's no part-time cup teams like there are in Xfinity where there's, you know, it, it worked out in, I guess it was 17, where uh, – there was open races in a in a mixed bag driver car where they don't have those mixed bag drivers or yeah. mixed bag cars uh, in the Cup Series. You be hosting any more midget races on iRacing? I oh yeah, absolutely. I got on there, there a little bit last night and and got some laps at the Chili Bowl. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to get on tonight or not. And I leave Saturday for the Chili or Sunday for the Chili Bowl, so yeah. I only got a couple more nights to get prepped up. Do you do that often? And how many people join your races? There's a there's a ton of people. Really? So. Um, I don't know if you know much about iRacing. Not a lot. Not as much as I wish I knew. <laughs> but there's a, uh, you know, you can get on there and, and host races where you can m pick whatever car, whatever track. So I'll get on there and, and host little, you know, 20-lap races with no yellow flags. That way uh, you race, and then whenever it's over, I'll host another race at another racetrack. So uh, it's been a lot of fun, and you can, you know, rip through them pretty fast, and you go to new racetracks, and it, it's a lot of fun. When do you get on track for the Chili Bowl? So we hot lap on Monday, which that's no big deal, but then the Race of Champions is on Tuesday, mm -hmm. and then my prelim night's Thursday, and then obviously the Big Shebang Saturday. Um, yeah, I'll be on track uh, for racing action Tuesday and Thursday. Mav TV will broadcast the, I think it's the C, B, and A mains live on Saturday night. And then all the prelim nights are available for pay-per-view uh, online at racingboys.com. Hey, I really appreciate you uh, joining me here today, Christopher. Appreciate giving so much of your time, and uh, good luck with trying to win a third straight Chili Bowl. Thank you. The NASCAR NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Please leave a rating and review if you're listening to on Apple Podcasts. And as always, send me any feedback on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. 
Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.